Your word stands forever, and Lord, we ask that you would use your word in our hearts tonight. Uh, Lord, we do confess that the earth is yours and everything in it, and we pray that you would instruct us now how we are to view the things that are in this world that you've entrusted to us or to others. Uh, We pray that you'd convict us of sin, uh, show us why we need a perfect Savior, who kept your law completely for us, and uh, give us faith in him and joy in who he is and what he's done for us. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. What if I told you that there was a thief in our midst? A thief in our midst. Well, the fact is, every one of us in this room, in one sense is a thief. We are guilty of breaking the Eighth Commandment. We're guilty of stealing. It's part of our corrupt, sinful nature, our spiritual DNA passed on to us from our first parents, Adam and Eve. Think about them. God put them in the garden to work it and to look after it as stewards, and instead they stole They stole forbidden fruit. They took that which was not theirs to take. They sinned and they became thieves. And like them, each one of us is given life by God to serve him and work for him, to glorify him. But we take that life and we use it and live it for ourselves. We take from his glory and we seek our own. And instead of loving and serving those around us, we take from them. We steal their honor, their property. We take love and service that we owe them and we give it to ourselves. We are selfish thieves. We, in our sin, live to take for ourselves. Now, that's the bad news. That is the reality, and it's putting it rather bluntly, but we are thieves. We're sinners. We all break this commandment. But the good news is that Jesus came for sinners who trust in him. And Jesus came not to take and not to steal, but to give. To give his perfect life for us. And by faith in him, we are forgiven and we're made new. Uh, We are made saints. Uh, We're made stewards rather than thieves. And in Christ, we're called to no longer steal and take, but rather to give and to work uh, for him and for others. And because of that, and in that context, he then calls us in the eighth commandment not to steal, but to give. To give yourself for him and for others. And so the challenge and the call of the text for us tonight is do not steal, but give. Do not steal, but give your all for the service of God and others. Well, let's consider this together uh, tonight. Now, unlike some of the commandments, most people are pretty good with this one. Uh, They like this commandment. I think that's because they realize life cannot go on very well if I can take what is yours. 
We have this intrinsic sense of right to property, and there's a general acceptance that stealing is not okay and will not lead to human flourishing and peaceful societies. But this commandment, like you might guess, as we've seen with the other ones, um, it includes a lot more than just property theft. And so let's consider it together. And I want us to start by seeing how this commandment tells you and me, do not steal from others. Do not steal from others. Verse 15 again. <clears throat> you shall not steal. Now to steal is to unlawfully obtain or withhold property. It's taking or withholding something that does not belong to you. Now in the Bible, lawful ways to obtain property are by receiving it as a gift, um, as an inheritance, <laughs> Or by earning it, by working for it, and, and paying for it. Now, this assumes a right to property. A private ownership is a biblical right. It's a biblical concept. God allows us, in fact, um, God calls us to lawfully procure property in order to care for ourselves and others, and serve him and others. Well, stealing is taking the property God has given to others for ourselves. And there are a lot of ways that this can be done. Uh, theft can take many forms. Shoplifting, robbery, uh, pilfering, counterfeit money, false weights and measures, larceny. Uh, when I lived in inner city Pittsburgh, if I left something as simple as my snow shovel on my front porch, it would disappear. It would not be there in the morning. Uh, most of you have had things like bikes or other possessions perhaps stolen from you. But stealing can be a lot more complex. Uh, embezzlement, extortion, insurance or tax fraud, uh, overtaxation, uh, deficit spending. Uh, these are all forms of theft. There's also the all-too-common false time card. Um, there's um, surfing the internet or wasting time when the boss is not in the room at work. Uh, this is stealing from employers. But it's so widespread, it's, it's often considered just part of, part of work. It's acceptable. I worked for a company where I would get scowls and frowns for working all the way up until 3.30 when we clocked out because everyone else quit at three o'clock and spent the last half hour smoking and talking. That's stealing from the employer. That's getting paid for doing no work. It wasn't um, an authorized break. Acceptable forms of workplace theft are a big problem. One writer said, employee theft of time and property costs American businesses and investors more than $200 billion a year. Uh, this affects all of us. According to some estimates, as much as one-third of a product's cost goes to cover the various forms of stealing that occur on its way to the market. This theft surcharge, as analysts call it, is a drag on our whole economy. End quote. Well, it's not just a drag. Uh, it is sin. It is breaking the law of God. It's wrong. And so God calls us not to steal. He calls us away from any of the actions or attitudes which could lead to it. 
And so things like greed, laziness, discontentment. We are to respect the property of others and to give others that which is due to them, whether it's taxes or hard work or diligence. We are to care for one another. We're to give to the poor. We're to share what God has entrusted to us with others who have needs. This is what we would want from others. And so why is theft such a big issue? Well, it goes against our selfish, sinful nature um, to give to others and to work hard. What motivates theft? Why do people steal? Selfishness, self-love, greed, laziness, ungrateful hearts, ultimately unbelieving sinful hearts. Jesus said in Matthew 15 verse 19, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft. And when we have sinful, unbelieving hearts, we fail to trust God to provide. Uh, We fail to be content with what he's provided. Um, We live our way and not his. And the eighth commandment calls you out of a new heart, out of faith and repentance to show your love for God and others by working hard, by giving rather than taking Ephesians 4.28 says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So God says, do not steal, but work. Don't take, but give. Work hard to care for yourself and serve others out of a desire for their well-being. And friends, as you hear this and as you think about this tonight, I wonder, does that describe you? Um, This hard work, this sense of wanting to give to others, or are there ways that you may be stealing in your life? And it could be really subtle, could be acceptable by our society, might even be unconscious, you're not aware of it, could be wasting time, being lazy, uh, cutting corners. I want you to search your heart and your life tonight. And where you might find this, where you might find forms of of stealing, uh, repent of that sin. Confess it to the Lord. Seek his forgiveness and seek the power of Christ to um, be conformed to his image and give yourself to what God has called you to. While the Eighth Commandment is not just about stealing from others or from our fellow men, Um, But it's also about stealing from God. And so second, we are called to not steal from God. Do not steal from God. Have you ever thought about the fact that you can steal from God? One of the ways you can do this is by not giving back to him. Listen to God's words in Malachi chapter 3. He says to his people, you are robbing me. In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed, for you are robbing robbing me. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. God calls us to honor him with our wealth and with our resources, 
to bring him our tithes, to not keep back what belongs to him for ourselves. And when we fail to do so, it's robbery, it's theft, it's withholding from God that which belongs to him, that which is due to him. Now, others may never know, but the Lord knows. And God says, trust me, when I give you, uh, when you give, I will care for you. Put, put me the, to the test. I'll pour down blessings upon you. I gave you all that you have in the first place. Now, there are other ways to steal from God. You can steal time. God gives you time, but he asks you to redeem it, to use it for his glory, not primarily to entertain yourself or serve yourself. Time is not yours to take and use however you want. It is a gift from God that ultimately belongs to him. And God asks you to give to him, to serve him. He asks for your hearts, your lives, your worship. He says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. He has a rightful claim on you. Do you give yourself to him or do you withhold from him because you have more important things to do? Think about it this way. God, in a sense, really is our employer, if you want to think of it that way. We, we are his servants. We are his workers. But how often are we idle and lazy? How often do we serve our great God half-heartedly? One of the neat things about the Ten Commandments is that they're all related and interconnected. And you see this with the Eighth Commandment. Because in one sense, every violation of each commandment is a form of theft. Think about it. When you fail to worship God, you steal and withhold the worship that he's due. When you take his name in vain, you're stealing honor that he's due. When you don't keep his day holy, you're taking his set-apart time for yourself. When you don't honor authority, you are stealing by not giving what's rightfully theirs. When you take life, um, you take what is not yours. When you commit adultery, you take what you have no right to and, and so on. These are all ways that you and I take from God. He asks for our obedience, for our love to him and others in all of these. And when we don't give it, we steal. We take not just from man, but from the creator, the creator and giver of all life. And so we are in our sin. We are thieves, are we not? Stealing from God is really a statement that says we want to be God. It's a self-centered, unbelieving approach to life. It masks, masquerades as fulfilling and necessary and normal and fun, but it is wrong and evil and sinful. And in the end, it steals our happiness in the Lord, it steals the happiness of those around us. It steals the honor and glory of God. And so, brothers and sisters, do not steal from God. Give him your life, your service, your obedience, all you are and all that you have. That's really the third point for us tonight. The remedy for stealing is, of course, ultimately Jesus Christ. But in him, 
And because of and through him, we must become faithful stewards and give faithful service. And so this commandment calls you third tonight to be a good steward with all things. Seek to be a good steward with all things. We were created in God's image to be stewards. He created us to work for him in his world as stewards. And work is a creation ordinance. Kids, you might not know that word steward, but a steward is one who is a caretaker. They work on behalf of another, on on behalf of an owner. And so they're given responsibilities and tasks and authority, and they're to seek the interests of the owner. And that's precisely what we were made to be, stewards. Stewards of all things, our lives, our resources, our time, our energy, our talents, this world. And ultimately, all we are and all we have belongs to God and has been given and entrusted to us as stewards to be used for him and his glory. God reminded his people in Exodus 19.5, we read this, that they were his and that all the earth is mine. God made the heavens and the earth and everything in it. He owns all of it, including you and me. And he calls us to use what is his to his glory. In Deuteronomy 8, verse 17, God said, Beware, lest you say in your heart, My power and my might have gotten me this wealth. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Even the living we can think we earn comes from God. He is the one that gives the power to work. He gives us our breath, our minds, our hands. Now you might be thinking, well, you said that the Bible gives a right to property, but now it sounds like you're saying that's not actually the case because God owns everything. Well, yes, God owns everything, and yet you and I rightfully own what God entrusts to us, what he gives us, but we own it as stewards. We're entrusted with and given a right to property that God gives us, but with that comes the responsibility to use it as good stewards, to use it in his way to his glory, because the fact is it ultimately belongs to him and comes from him. You see, your right to property is real, it's legitimate, it should be guarded, and people shouldn't take from you, but your right to property is not ultimate. You and your individual right to ownership is checked and regulated by your duty to God and your stewardship for him as well as your responsibility to others, your call to love others. Your property, your life, your rights are not ultimate. God is. God is ultimate. He's the owner. He's the boss. And that's okay. That's good. He is God. He's eternal. He is the creator. You and I are not. He made you and he gives you all that you have. Uh, You would not exist apart from his creating you and sustaining you. And the Eighth Commandment, in part, tells us that we are here 
and we have what we have, whether it's time or, or breath or bodies, energy, skills, gifts, resources, money, homes, families, property. We have all this, not ultimately for us, but for him. We are stewards called to use it for his ends, for his profit, for his gain and his glory. And stewardship is not about how much you do or do not have. It's about what you do with what you have been given, what you do with what you do have. And so, brothers and sisters, I want you to think about tonight, and even children, what has God entrusted you with? What has he given to you? Maybe it's property, things that you own, or, or gifts, or skills. Are you using that for him? Are you using it for others? Are you using it as a faithful steward to serve and to bring honor to him? Or do you take it and use it for yourself? Um, do you look at it and it gives you pride? Do you use it poorly? Do you waste it? Ask yourself tonight, am I being a good steward to the best of my ability in Christ by God's grace? All I have, all I am belongs to God. Am I working for him? Am I seeking his glory with all of it. And one day, each one of you will give an account for how you spent your time and your money, your breath, your strength, your gifts. Will God say, well done, good and faithful steward, good and faithful servant. Now, thanks be to God, if our faith is in Christ, he absolutely will say that. But some of us need to go home, maybe all of us, and tonight pray, Lord, how should I use it? I, I work for you. Don't let me steal from you in laziness or selfishness or worldliness. 1 Peter 4, verse 10 through 11 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve as good stewards of God's varied grace in order that in everything God may be glorified. The Eighth Commandment forbids stealing, but it commends positively stewardship. It says, give, give to the Lord. Give him your life, your labor, your love. Will you do that? Are you doing that by God's grace? All you are and all you have is from him and for him. And so, brothers and sisters, seek to be faithful stewards. Well, to do that, you must, fourth and finally tonight, store up treasures in heaven. Store up treasures in heaven. This world is, this world is good. Money, work, homes, food, rest, play. These are good gifts from God for our care for our joy, but they are not ultimate. They are not the ultimate end. It is him. These things are means that he uses to care for us, to bless us and to bless others, but ultimately to glorify his name. 
as we rightly seek to work hard to provide for ourselves and our families and not steal, as we seek to be good stewards serving God and others, we must remember that this world is not our home. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our bodies are temporary. Paul talks about our bodies as being like tents. Our earthly possessions are not eternal and not ultimate. We can't take one bit of it with us. And yet it's so tempting and so easy to live for these things, to live for ourselves, to trust in them, to live for today, to live for passing pleasure. And so this is why Jesus said, lay up treasures in heaven. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Where is your treasure? Where is your heart? Is it in the Lord? Is his service, is it, is it in his service and his kingdom, his glory, eternity? It's been said the only money we can count on ever seeing again is the money we invest in the kingdom. 1 Timothy six seventeen through 19 says, Don't set your hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Do good. Be rich in good works. Be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for the future and taking hold of that which is truly life. Brothers and sisters, don't rob yourself of real eternal treasure, seeking treasures that will vanish. Don't rob yourself of that which is truly life. Don't rob others of service and love that you can give here and now. Don't rob the Lord of investing in his kingdom. Mark 8 verse 36 says, What is it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Work hard, earn a living, care for yourself and your family, give to the church and his kingdom, serve others, be good stewards, but remember where you're ultimately heading in Jesus Christ. Remember where your real treasure is. Seek first his kingdom and not yours. Brothers and sisters, don't take, but give. Give your life for his glory, for eternal treasure. And as we close tonight, I want you to think about how this is what Jesus did. This is how Jesus lived here on earth. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 says, Though he, though Jesus was rich, for your sake he became poor. He gave up everything. He gave up the riches of glory to come to earth to give them to you. And to do that, he gave his very life. He did not come to be served, but to serve. To give his life as a ransom for many. He paid for your debt, my debt. The debt we have all racked up by lying and stealing and being selfish sinners. And think about this, how fitting that he gave his life where? 
between two thieves. He was numbered with the transgressors, with thieves on a cross, with, with you and I. But do you remember what he said to the thief who looked to him with faith? He said, today you will be with me in paradise. You are a thief. You deserve to die. But I give my life to give you life. I die so that you can live forever in paradise. So that you can have everything. So that you can have the most glorious inheritance of heaven. And friends, he says that to each and every one of you. We are all thieves. We deserve to be on that cross. We deserve to be punished in our sins. But Jesus did that for you if you trust in him. And he says, you will be with me in paradise. And so brothers and sisters, look to him. Trust in him. Rejoice in him. Give him your life. Because he gave his for you. Brothers and sisters, as he did, do not steal, but give. Give your life. Give all you are and all you have for him. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we do confess that we fail to keep your word We have stolen from you and others. We have withheld that which is due to you and others. We are sinful and deceitful. But we praise you and thank you that you are a God who forgives sinners. You're a God who sanctifies those who by nature and by instinct and practice um, take for themselves And you're transforming us into the image of Christ to be those who, like him, give and lay down our lives. And so we pray that you would do that in us uh, by faith in him to your glory. Uh, We praise you and thank you that he was um, put to death on the cross between two thieves in order to give paradise to a countless multitude of thieves. Lord, help us to just marvel in your love and your grace and to seek to live by faith according to his image and according to your word for your glory. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.